right, welcome everybody. You doing okay today? All right. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you had a, had a good time. Welcome to those of you that are watching online. Don't want to forget about you all. We love you. You're part of our family. And all the rest of you, too. Awesome. Well, we are closing a series today. My name is Josh. If I haven't met you, I'm the lead pastor uh, here at Evangel. And uh, on behalf of the staff and myself, we have arranged this weekend for you to be blessed, for you to feel God's presence. Hopefully you have. Wasn't worship awesome today? And uh, we just arranged for you to ex- encounter God and to hear His truth and to respond to Him. And uh, I'm going to be upfront, okay? Because I don't want to manipulate you. I don't want to try to... I am going to try to talk you into something, but uh, I want you to know exactly where I'm going today. Our church is partnered with an organization called Convoy of Hope. And uh, Convoy of Hope is a disaster relief organization that's directly through our denomination and uh, well-represented. Whenever there's a a crisis that happens, they're one of the first responders, even before many government agencies on the scene. Convoy of Hope has developed an initiative called the Feed One Campaign. It's based off of what Mother Teresa said, even if you can't feed them all, just feed one. And uh, it's an initiative to feed children in our world uh, in 2016 that are going to school, going to bed hungry every night. There are 66 million of them. And you guys, it's 2016, and my freezer is full, my fridge is full, I have money to go to the grocery store and get what I need, but there are basic human needs that are not being met, and you and I have an opportunity to partner with Convoy of Hope in the Feed One campaign, and uh, if you give 10 bucks a month, it will feed a child for an entire month. Now, come on, that's Pancheros and a Coke right there, right? That's two Starbucks grande drinks when you get the froofy kinds. That's 10 bucks right there. And uh, every one of us has the opportunity to make the difference in the life of a child. And I'm going to build a case today for why you and I ought to participate in an effort such as this one. So we're in a series called Reach. We've talked about reaching our, our, our community. We've talked about reaching our region. And today I want, about, I want to talk about reaching the world. And now that's a grandiose statement, right? We're going to reach the world. We're going to change the world. And everybody says it, but very few people do it. Uh, But there is a way that you and I can make an impact, and uh, a way that you and I can invest in the world around us and actually cause good things to happen in the lives of those that have a need. So if you have a Bible, I'm in Acts 1-8, and also in 2 Corinthians 9-13, and they're on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. So here we go. Follow along with me. It says in Acts 1-8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. This is Jesus talking. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now he's speaking to a world that would have been a little bit different than ours. There was uh, some undiscovered land at that time, obviously, like the land that you're sitting in right now. And uh, to them, they would have said, Jerusalem is my city, Judea and Samaria are my region, or maybe my state or my nation. And the ends of the earth for them was Rome. But the ends of the earth for you and I maybe is China or India or a country like Haiti, places where there's a a high density 
of people, but a low density of the gospel of Jesus, a low density of, of Christianity, or those that understand the truth that comes in following Jesus. So this message carries through from the church of that day to the church of today, and really this message is not only the theme verse of Acts, but it is the, the mission and the message of the church going forward in the age of the Spirit that you and I live in. This is our mandate that you and I are called to. Send Corinthians couples with it, in chapter 9, verse 13, it says, Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God. Here's how you can know whether you're reaching people around you. Are other people praising God that you follow Jesus? Do they know? Do they have the opportunity to be affected by what Christ has done in you now is impacting their life? He says, because of your service, by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. It's not enough just to confess Jesus as Lord. There's this nasty little thing called obedience that is attached to it. That means not only do we follow him, but we, he's Lord. Capital L, Lord. He's Christ of our lives, Savior of our lives, and he's Lord, and we submit to him. And for your generosity, in sharing with them and with everyone else. So we get a few patterns here. One, the Bible says, Jesus tells us, you will receive power. You will be my witnesses. You'll receive that power for the purpose of telling your story, of telling people about Jesus. And, it, and your job is to serve. Your job is to share. Your job is to go out and to reach people with the story of your life and with the story of Christ. This is how it happened in the life of one of the disciples named Peter. After Jesus had already ascended to heaven, Peter is walking down a path, down a road that many other people had walked down, through a gate that many other people had gone through, uh, down a path that many other church members had gone down, through a gate that many other church members on their way to the temple to pray had walked through as well. And when Peter walks through, there's a man that says, uh, have mercy on me, sir, sir, and he's begging for money, and Peter stops and says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Stand up and walk. More than the guy was bargaining for, right? And this is, this is what you and I have to catch, is that following Jesus means that there will be moments of opportunity where our life in Christ will get the chance to testify to others that are around us. Our life in Christ will have the opportunity to serve the world that is around us. This is what it means to take care of our world. Uh, two weeks ago, Pastor Caleb preached a great message about taking care of your neighbors, taking care of your backyard, taking care of your community, taking care of your family. Why is that difficult? Because they know you. They, they know the good, the bad, and the ugly. And you want to talk to them about what Christ has done in your life, and people will discount it because they know they know you so well. Even Jesus went back to Nazareth and people discounted who he was and what he taught because he was in his hometown. It's more difficult. Last week I talked about taking care of those that are in our region. The difference between those that are nearby and those that are in your region is that those in your region might not have a ton in common with you. In fact, they might be very different from you. And it might mean you taking care of people that have a different ideology, different religion, different values, different way of speaking, different customs, but are you still called to care for them as the body of Christ? You bet. And today I want to talk about taking care of the world or taking care of the earth, and that means taking care of those that are less fortunate than you. 
Now, hopefully you've never done this. I have not yet, but I have this feeling that the day will come where you loaded up all your kids in the car, all your family in the car, and you started to drive down the road, and all of a sudden, somebody started to count heads and said, where's Jimmy? Right, how many of you, you've, no, don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. You left, it brings a whole new meaning to no child left behind, right? You, you left your kids somewhere, or you're in the mall, and, and they think it's fun to hide, and you're like trying to get on the intercom system to find your child, right? I know it's happened. It's never going to happen to me in Jesus' name, all right? Uh, there's a story in my family that, that uh, my parents would always take all their teenagers from the Elgin youth group that they led, and they'd load them all in our big orange Dodge van that my family used to own. Praise God, it died. And uh, this big orange van had uh, two seats in the front and then two rocking chairs in the middle, and then kind of a little bench with a cushion in the back. It was before seatbelts were like mandatory for all passengers. And so we'd take all 17 teenagers and all my parents' kids and just put them all in the van. And literally the van would just bounce down the road all the way to South Dakota as we'd go to like Hills Alive, the Christian music festival. We went like every year growing up. And there was one time, as the story goes, as legend tells it, that uh, my parents pulled up to a convenience store. Uh, all the, the teenagers jumped out of the van and ran all over. My parents are trying to herd the cats, you know, as, as the events are unfolding. And they get everybody back in the van and they turn out of the gas station, start to go down the road. And then the gas station clerk comes running out of the gas station with me in tow, saying, don't forget this. Like, you got your soda and you got your candy bar, but your child, you know? Don't forget your child. And I know none of you have ever done that. But listen, there, there's a, a moral of the story here because you might look at that gas station attendant and say, well, any good person would do that, right? Any good person would reunite a child with their parents that have forgotten them. Any, that's just common sense. That's just goodwill. That's what, that's what anybody would do. But listen, as followers of Jesus, we have to do better than just what everybody else would do. And when it comes to meeting the needs of the world around us, we can't just do the situations that fall into our lap and do the right thing. We have to actually seek out opportunities to serve others. See, it's one thing when, when an opportunity to serve people or an opportunity to share your story just falls in your lap and to be obedient. And should you do that? Yes, absolutely. But as a follower of Jesus, it's not just uh, responding, you know, I do it because it fell in my lap. It is your mission. It is your life goal. It's your commission from Christ. It is who you are. It is your DNA. You are an ambassador for Jesus until his kingdom takes over this kingdom on earth. Your mission is to reach people for him. And that means that you not only need to respond to the opportunities that come your way, but you need to actually seek out and create those opportunities. Say amen because it's true. So reaching people becomes all about service. It becomes about you and I seeking out opportunities to minister to those that are around us. What does minister mean? It means to create and seek opportunities uh, rather than maybe just doing the bare minimum that falls into your lap. It means meeting the needs of the people around you. Now listen, you and I have needs, but our basic needs are pretty much met. See, when it comes to our spiritual need, you have access to the gospel message of Jesus, that he died on a cross, 
uh, reconciling you to your heavenly Father, that any barrier between you and your heavenly Father has been removed, and now simply by calling on that name, which is victory, you have access to the throne room of God. Not only for your salvation, but also for your needs, also for moments uh, where you need God to intervene in your situation. Your spiritual need has pretty much been met. Now, if you move to your physical need, you live in America. Your physical needs have pretty much been met. If you go to your emotional need, you're sitting in a community of people, able to freely worship and freely share life together. Your emotional needs are available to be met. See there, you have Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a counselor. And some of us need to set up an appointment this week, you know? But he is a counselor. And he meets the emotional needs that, that you and I walk through. And you know what? When, when the, the situation gets difficult, then he's given us Christian teachers. He's given us Christian authors. He's given us Christian counselors. He's given us friends. He's given us people in our lives that can speak into those situations. But listen, there's a lot of people in our world that don't have all three of those needs met, don't even have two of those needs met, don't even have one of those needs met, and that's why Jesus said true religion that God sees as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Why? Because their needs have been exposed. And you and I have the opportunity to meet the needs of the world that is around us, to provide the spiritual need of the world around us, to provide the physical need, and to provide the emotional need. It's what Operation Christmas Child Boxes were all about. It's why we send almost 2,000 of them out from this church. It meets a physical need for a child, but they also get the opportunity to have their spiritual need met and emotionally knowing that somebody from someplace on a map that they can't pick out and have never heard of cared enough about them to send a gift their direction. It's our job. It is what we are called to do to minister to the world that is around us. So we create and seek these opportunities. So I want to ask you this question, and I want you to think deeply about it. Uh, I say a lot of things and ask a lot of questions during these moments in our weekend services, but I really want you to think about this one. Who are you called to minister to? Who has a need, and God has put you in their life to meet that need in this moment? Because if you don't know who you're trying to reach, you're not going to know how to seek and create an opportunity. Maybe you're unsure of the answer. Richard Stearns sums up the the words of Jesus. He's the president of World Vision. Not Jesus, but Richard Stearns. (laughs) There you are. He says this, The kingdom of which Christ spoke was one in which the poor, the sick, the grieving, Cripples, slaves, women, children, widows, orphans, lepers, and aliens, or the least of these, Matthew 25, 40, the least of these were to be lifted up and to be embraced by God. Now let me tell you, this changes over time and culture, right? Obviously women aren't suppressed today uh, in ways that they were in the past. And so when he mentions them, uh, that's that's a that's coming from biblical culture of how things were. But essentially, he's saying if you don't know who you're called to minister to, here's where you ought to start. These are the obvious needs that you and I can meet. Those that, if you don't know who to minister to, look for somebody who's hurting. 
If you don't know who to minister to, look to somebody who's going through loss. If you don't know who to minister to, look, look for somebody uh, who's sick. Look for somebody who is walking through a life trial or tribulation because it's a peak opportunity for you to seek out a time to be able to in, infuse hope into the situation of somebody else around you. Here's the truth. Those people that need you to meet their need, those that are less fortunate, whether it's in their whole life or just in a certain circumstance, those that are less fortunate than you many times will not or cannot come to you. The children that this church feeds in a school in Haiti cannot come to you and say, I need, I'm hungry, I need you to feed me. So it takes an organization and a pastor to stand before you and say they're hungry, feed them. This is what Jesus called us to do. Jesus said, uh, uh, you, you see me and you, you work directly for me when you see the hungry and you supply their need. When you see the thirsty and you give them a drink. When you see the poor and you supply their need. This is ministering directly to the heart of Jesus. So what ought we to do? 2 Corinthians 9.13 says, Because of your service, by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God. For the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else, you and I have to live lives that are not focused inward, but are focused outward. The church, you all look real great today. Yeah, yeah, amen. You look good. But you know what? The church looks good here, but it looks great when it's being the church out there. The church shines when it's being the church to the world, when it's being the church that is meeting needs, when it's being the church that is gracious, when it's being the church that holds its tongue and just demonstrates grace, when it, be, when it, when it is the church that is the hands and feet of Jesus, that's when people look at the church and say, wow, it's a city on a hill. Wow, it is the salt of the earth. Wow, that church cares so much about people. It's when you and I, not when we get together and practice our spiritual gifts here or talk about how holy and righteous we are, but when we actually live it out out there, that's when the, the church really becomes the glory of God manifested on the earth. That's when the church really becomes the hope of the world. I hope people start to look at the church and say, you know what, I've realized I can't count on a certain leader, I can't count on government, I I can't count on organizations, but I can always count on the church. They always come through. Why? Because people mass themselves around Jesus. They gathered in mass around Jesus because they knew that Jesus wouldn't fail them. They knew that he would provide the need of their moment. This verse in Corinthians tells us that there is a generosity in our sharing that should come from our obedience that accompanies our faith in Christ. There's a lot to be convicted about there, isn't it? One, convicted of if you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet. Two, to be convicted of if you're not living in obedience to him. Three, to be convicted if you're not sharing about him. The Bible says this is basic Christian living. And you know what? God has called you and I to experience more than basic Christian living. He has called us to experience the fullness of life that comes in Christ. He has called us to experience the fullness of power that comes by his Holy Spirit. He has called us to experience a fuller Christian life that comes from understanding the full gospel of Jesus, not just going to church, not just living vicariously through somebody else's spirituality or somebody else's faith, but for you to know Jesus, 
for you to know him and to be his hands and feet. That is the fuller Christian life that Christ has called us to. Let me tell you what not to do. Don't wait for somebody else to seek opportunities for you. Because a whole bunch of people that sit around and wait for somebody else to do it becomes a whole bunch of people that never do it. And so you can't say somebody else will feed those kids. Somebody else will go. 66 million, what does one matter? Even if you can't feed them all, just feed one. If I was that one, I'd be grateful. Don't let somebody else seek to meet the needs of the world, but take responsibility yourself. Don't, here's another thing, don't be a critic that complains but never comes to the rescue. If there's this nasty little disease that gets into the church that because we know Jesus, we're superior, so we just sit on our little high top and, and criticize everybody else and what the world should be doing rather than going out and demonstrating it. Jesus didn't preach much. He taught a little, but he lived it out a lot. And Jesus wants you and I to teach a little and to live it out a lot in our everyday lives. Here's another thing you shouldn't do. Don't just rely on your actions only. Because there's a lot of people that just go and serve, serve, serve. But your job on the earth is to, to be a sign pointing to Christ. And so your testimony, your story, the hope that comes out of your mouth about what Christ has done in your life, it matters. You should also not rely on words only, otherwise we're just doing lip service. God is calling the church to reach the world, but we live like it's every other church except this one. <laughs> and we just give lip service, we just talk about the right things. Uh, many of you will be familiar with this quote. A pastor who spoke out against Hitler and spent seven years in concentration camps said this. He said, first they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I didn't speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak out because I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. See, it's easy to say, well, I care about the hungry, but I'm not hungry, so I'm not going to do anything. I care about the hurting, but I'm currently not hurting, so I'm not going to do anything. I care about the poor, but I care more about my wealth, so I'm not going to do anything. Do you know why it's important for you to care? Because there will come a moment where you'll be the one in need. Where spiritually, emotionally, physically, you will be in the one in need. And at that moment, you're going to hope somebody else cares. And the Bible teaches this principle that what you sow or what you plant, you will grow or you will reap. So if you want to be, the Bible also says, you, those who refresh others will be themselves refreshed. And so if you want your need to be taken care of, you cast your bread out on the water and it will return back to you. You, you give generously and it will be returned back to you. You care for the needs of others and it will be returned back to you. You be a good friend to the people that are around you and it will be returned back to you. You invest it and it will come back. And here's what the result is. Jesus says in Psalm 67.4, the Bible says, let the nations be glad. Do you know what the result of a healthy, active, serving church is? Happy nations. Groups of people that were once despised or hurting or forgotten about are glad. When the Bible speaks to nations, it doesn't speak to the boundary lines that you and I see of countries. The Bible speaks to nation and it talks about groups of people. So he says, let the orphans be glad. Let the widows be glad. Let the hurting be glad. Let, let those in pain be glad. You know why they're glad? 
because you reached them. Because you did something with the faith that you've professed. See, the salvation that we have in Jesus is not just fire insurance. Some people ask for heaven, live like hell, and hope that they get in. It's not fire insurance. Is it possible that you can confess Jesus is Lord, live just on the inside of the line and get into heaven? Yeah, the Bible says you'll escape, barely escape through the flames by the hair on your chinny chin chin. But did Jesus demonstrate a kingdom that was barely getting in? No, he demonstrated a full Christian life. Life abundantly. Power and authority to, to walk out godliness in this world that you and I live in today. And I'm telling you that if you've just been living in the little Christian lane of I've accepted Christ, but that's all the further I'm going, then you're having a, a poor Christian experience. And you're not really understanding the full uh, grace and the full authority and the full opportunity that God has given you as a child of him, as a follower of him. And you may make it in, but when you get to heaven, you will be sorely disappointed. If you look at it from our perspective here, because the rewards that will be available to you, the opportunities that you'll see that you could have taken will be enormous. And we ought to wring our lives of every ounce of potential and possibility and opportunity so that the kingdom of God can be built on the earth. Amen? I'm going to close with this. One, uh, Lady named Teresa says it this way. She says, Christ has no body on earth but yours. No hands but yours. Yours are the keys through which Christ's compassion for the world is to look out. Yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good. And yours are the hands with which he is to bless us now. The cliche line says, you are the only Jesus many people will ever meet. And so if you remain silent, they'll never hear. If you don't give, they'll never be fed. If you don't meet that, that emotional or physical need, nobody ever will. You are the only Jesus that some people will ever meet. And I ask you again, who are you called to minister to? And specifically today, I want you to pray about whether you're called to minister to children that are in Haiti that every day are going to school hungry. Because for $10 a month, you and I can feed them, we can supply that physical need. Listen, here's the the exciting part. In September of next year, we'll be taking a reach trip to Haiti to a Convoy of Hope, Mission of Hope uh, camp. And during our time there, we will go to the actual school that Evangel is feeding and we will meet those kids. We'll be able to meet their emotional need by loving on them, celebrating them, hugging them. We'll be able to meet their physical need by making sure that they're given food while we're there and before we get there. And we'll be able to meet their spiritual need by telling them about Jesus, by sharing the hope that you and I have. I'm not playing games. This isn't just another sponsorship program. This is our church effectively reaching the 4 to 14 window, kids 4 to 14 years old, and effectively telling them about the gospel of Jesus and meeting their physical need. And I want you to come with us to Haiti in September and meet the needs of these children. But right now, I want to ask you to respond on this card, if you would. I don't beg, but this cause makes me want to beg. Because it's 10 bucks.